Welcome to Bunny Hugs and Mental Health, the podcast that deals with all things mental health. We talk to professionals, survivors, and loved ones about their sometimes informative, sometimes uplifting, and sometimes tragic stories. I'm your host of the show, Todd Rennebaum, advocate, recovering addict, experienced sufferer of depression and anxiety, and author of the children's book, Sometimes Daddy Cries. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bunny Hugs and Mental Health on the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Go to saskpodcastnetwork.com and find all the wonderful podcasts I've made here in Saskatchewan. Well, not all of them, but the ones that are on the network anyway. And uh, yeah, this week it's a little different. Not really. We're talking about mental health still, but there's a federal election coming up again. And uh, this week I'm speaking to Dale Richardson, and he's a former Bradwall staffer, and he has a podcast called Persist, and well, he has another one called Talking 306, but uh, the one called Persist uh, is, is the mental health one, and he talks about mental health in politics. So I'm talking to him this week about just that. Before I play that uh, interview... I'd just like to say thank you to uh, Megan Meyerhofer for her wonderful comments and questions and stuff. And, you know, all the people over the last couple of weeks that have sent comments and questions to me, I, uh, I always really enjoy that. So thank you. And you know what? If, if you like the podcast and you're listening on Apple, please go ahead and rate and review the podcast. I, I won't be mad if you do that. That'd be wonderful, actually, if you did that. Okay. So, sorry, I'm in a bit of a rush for the intro tonight, so I'm not uh, uh, giving a whole lot of information, because if you hear that, there's a dog barking in the background. I'm in a rush because my family's home, and I'm trying to do it quickly in between quiet moments. Anyway, without further ado, here's Dale Richardson. Persist, the, the Persist podcast, which is about mental health and politics and public life, uh, I started working on that because there's this guy in British Columbia, uh, uh, his name is Emil Scheffel, and I sort of knew him on the periphery because um, I used to work in politics uh, in, in Regina here. Uh, and, and Emil, he, he was very active in, in politics in BC. He was, uh, he was a senior staffer in the, in the premier's office and for the BC liberal party. And, um, but, but Emil over the last number of years had become, uh, he'd started to become quite open with his personal mental health struggles. And beyond that, he started to write, and talk publicly about uh, this problem of mental health in politics. So amongst people that that work in politics. So that would include political staffers in particular. So people that uh, like like me and Emil, people that you know used to um, you know support cabinet ministers or the premier or you know people that that work in the opposition mm-hmm. caucus offices. Um, you know, for, for whatever party, uh, that is, 
Um, and and then obviously amongst elected officials, so so politicians, so the people that actually represent us in in government. Uh, so he started sharing uh, his perspectives on that, and this was in February, January maybe uh, of this year. So not that long ago, he he wrote an op-ed for this online newspaper in in Vancouver where he just he just kind of talked about it more and it said that there. You know, there's politics has a has a mental health problem, um, and it really resonated with me because I experienced my own uh, my own struggles with mental health when I uh, when I was a political staffer, and based on my work in the podcasting world, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be good? Because one of Emil's um, one of his messages in this in this op-ed was that there needs to be more more places for people who have or do work in politics to share their mental health story mm -hmm. so that so that other people can listen or read that read those stories and see okay that you know the people that work in in the in the higher levels of government or in opposition caucus offices or at city hall or wherever that um you know that that they go through the thing they go through the same things that i do as you know just a regular non-political person mm -hmm. so i i got in touch with the meal and i said uh have you have you thought about doing a podcast because he he had he was in the process of launching persist which is um um Basically, it's a, it, it's a website wepersist.ca, and at, at the time, it was just going to be going to be written blog posts that, from people that have worked in politics, like MLAs and and staffers, where they can just write and share their story. And I said, wouldn't it wouldn't it be great to also do a podcast? He said, Yeah, I've been thinking about it, but I just don't know how to do it. Um, so we went about setting up the podcast, and we um. Yeah, we launched that in April, and uh, yeah, we did about three months worth of episodes, and we're currently in our summer break. So, yeah, nice. It's funny when I started this podcast, I don't think there was any mental health podcasts in Saskatchewan, and now there's like eight. <laughs> it's like boom, it became a real hot topic instantly, which is awesome. I mean, I support all of them right i mean the, todd one one of the things about why the mental health and politics piece appealed i think to both emil and i mm -hmm. is that uh ev even in academia there really is not a lot of study on the mental health of politicians or or people that work in politics so you know right you know Going forward in this podcast, I'll just say you know mental health and politics, and you can assume that includes both elected uh, elected people and staff. So that'll just mm -hmm. be easier. Right. Um, but even even in in academia, there's one professor, and he's in he's in the UK, and he was one of our first guests on the podcast. He's really the only person that studies the mental health uh, of people that work in politics. Hmm. And he's he's done some, I mean, really incredible work, 
but he's only one guy. And, and, and when we had him on the podcast, we, we talked to him about that, that, you know, it's, doesn't it say a lot about the topic that you're the only person who, who, who's been studying it and he's, he's been studying mental health and politics for 20 years or, or, or more. Um, but even still, he's only one guy and there's only so much, uh, so much, you know, research you can do in the, in the topic when you're, when you're just on your own. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's one, of, it's one of the reasons why it, it appealed to both Emil and I is that really nobody, you know, as you said about, you know, there's, hasn't been that many mental health pol- or hasn't been that many mental health podcasts. It, it's, there certainly has not been any discussion you know, at at least continuous and more in-depth conversation about mental health and politics. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess we were the ones that wanted to go first into the breach, but <laughs> yeah. some, some, sometimes that needs to happen. Yeah. Well, when I saw uh, when you kind of launched it, I was I was very intrigued, and I was also like, well, like, like I don't know. I was like, what the hell? Like, who? is that a big thing, mental health and politics? But then, yeah, you start thinking about it. It's like, yeah, you, I, you hear about people going to see counselors and stuff through their work and all types of jobs, but you never hear politicians or their staffers or, you know, and I, but then you also know that it's a, it's a very high stress job. And um, so, yeah, no, I, I think it's awesome that, uh, that you've kind of gone that route with the mental health theme. Uh, something else I was I was thinking about. Um, it, it, there must be a lot of mental health challenges for people that aren't in politician or aren't in politics, but tried. You know, people that ran and lost. Mm. And and like there was a, a really great guy that ran for MLA here in my my writing, and he busted his ass for two years, and I, he had all types of volunteers and all types of things, and then. Um, you know, it didn't work out in his favor, and I, I I haven't seen him on social media for a while, and I'm wondering, like, you know, that'd be really pretty devastating, you know. Yeah. No, I, it's a it's a really interesting point, Todd. Um, and now that you say it, there's probably an angle for for persist to to talk to some folks like that. Um, yeah, I I I mean, for sure there is. Like campaigning, campaigning alone would be a mental health issue. You know? Well, even, you know, you're right. Even for somebody like me, and I, I worked on many, uh, many campaigns, I can remember the kind of the first real campaign I worked on. It was the 2011 provincial campaign. And it wasn't so much anything that happened during the campaign, but but as soon as it was over, and this, and this is, it's a common thing amongst uh, people that are, that are, that work on political campaigns. As soon as it was over, I, I was, I was very depressed hmm. because you go from first of all the routine every day for you know for for twenty eight you know for for four weeks straight you know every day you go into the campaign office and you do campaigns like you you go door knocking and you put mm-hmm. up the signs and you make phone calls and really it's it's twenty eight straight days of of you know just adrenaline. Right. You're, yeah. you're so excited and you're, you're so motivated to, to help your candidate win and help your party win the election. And you also form in, in, uh, quite often you form very strong bonds with the people that, that you work with on those campaigns. 
-hmm. And then the campaign is over and it's a total letdown because, you know, it's like, I mean, I've, I've never done any type of hard drug, but I imagine it's, it, 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 it very, poor way to describe it i suppose but uh, you know it's it's like trying to get off of a drug that you, you've been addicted to and mm-hmm. um so that that's for sure one aspect of it but i i think what you say about candidates that run that run and lose um yeah i think you're right it's for uh you know unless you are running a, a, in a in a constituency or or a riding or a city ward that you just know you have no chance of winning you know like there's seats right. around the province that depending on which party you're you're with you you know that you will either for sure win or for sure lose but if you're a candidate and you spend you know and not just you know like a month um mm-hmm. where it's it's the rip period but for years in advance like you said with this one guy that that you know at a certain point, you 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 think I have a great chance to win this, and you get people telling you that you're in a you have a great shot, and you get people telling you at their doorsteps that that they're going to vote for you. Mm-hmm. You start hearing that over and over and over, and unless you are become truly cynical about your chances, and just keep working and working and working and 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 win. Uh, losing for sure can be a huge letdown. And honestly, Todd, if I can, uh, you know, just be honest, it, it's that's probably one of the reasons why I don't think I would ever run. <laughs> yeah, same here. I've thought about it. I've thought about it, and I've had people say, "Don't," like people that have that were staffers, actually not not so much politicians, but staffers. Like Todd, don't do it, man. It, yeah. It. I mean, it's it. I mean, there's a whole rabbit hole that, that we could go down to, you know, the reasons why good people don't run for any kind of elected office anymore. But but that yeah. that is one, is that, I, I mean, you need a pretty big ego to run for political office in the first place. But you, you need to have a, a huge ego to think that you're going to win. And right. when you don't, yeah, very it's devastating. Yeah. And like, and like this guy, like uh, the riding I'm in, it, it it's been um, SAS party for years. So he knew he had it was, it was a long shot. Which riding is that? Uh, the Indian Head Milestone. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe not a long shot, but like you know, the, the guy who's running against has been in there for years and was maybe you know. Yeah. No, Don Don McMorris. He can. He can be the MLA there for as long as he wants to. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he got his hopes up, and uh, and I don't know. Uh, maybe he wasn't expecting to win, but he was definitely expecting to do better than he did. And uh, I'm sure that was, you know, that feeling of rejection and like, I like, what was all this for? Like, I I, I wonder, like, what you know, that, that'd be that'd be tough. It's the most public form of rejection. You said it exactly right, Todd. It's the most public form of rejection in in the world is uh is when you run as a candidate in a democracy and thousands of people uh or more you know millions yeah. you know in, in in some cases like in the states they say no we don't like you we're not going to vote for you and no we we literally do not like you enough to cast a vote for you yeah uh the 
the other closest thing that I can think of that come that would come close to it is a is a is a stand-up comedian going up and doing a routine where they are judged literally second to second. They right. tell a joke, and if the if the audience doesn't laugh, that's a that's pretty devastating. <laughs> but at least five seconds later, you can try it again. Yeah, with elections, yeah, right. if you lose by thousands of votes, that. Uh, that's pretty heavy thing to to hang on to you for several years. If you, I mean, even if you plan to run again, and if not, then that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I, I imagine. Well, the majority of people that lose probably don't run again, unless they were MLA at one point and then lost, and then they're going to try again. But like, your first loss is probably the most devastating one. And they're like, no, I'm done. This is that. That was too much work. It was too hard. Yeah. But anyway, you're right. Yeah. So politicians that do make it, so this is less about the staffers and stuff, but more about the actual politicians. Because I mean, they're criticized harshly by the opposition, or or if they're the opposition, they're criticized by whoever. Like, like in Saskatchewan, I don't know how many times I've heard things about Trudeau that mm-hmm. are, are like. You know, if this was, if he wasn't a politician, I mean, you'd be going to the RCMP, <laughs> you know, like some of the comments that you hear online and then, so how, how do, is that just part of the job or like, you know what I mean? Being a politician or do you just have to have thick skin or like, how, how, do, how do politicians deal with that personal degradation all the time? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the million dollar question. I think it, I mean, I think that there is hopefully more conversation about and less tolerance for like really bad abuse social media has 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 of course made things in that regard not just a hundred times worse i would say a thousand yeah because if you wanted to hear like let's say that you're the mla for indian head milestone okay you're Mm -hmm. you're don mcmorris uh 15 years ago if somebody wanted to let him know what he thought about him, you know, disagreed with a policy decision or what he was doing as the MLA or what his party was doing, whatever. Mm-hmm. He would, uh, he would phone, he would, he would try to call or, you know, like a, like a person, like a constituent. Yeah. They could call, they could write a letter, send an email. And, and if Don goes door knocking, um, they could tell him to his face. Now yeah. anybody is able to pick up their phone and drop a uh, drop a Facebook comment, send a tweet, put an Instagram comment on his post, mm-hmm. um, and it's just and it's so much more widespread because then instead of just Dawn hearing or reading or seeing that criticism and it could be harsh, you know, it, it it's instead thousands of people see that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so it's so much more amplified. Um, the thing about 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 the thing about having thick skin, I don't like that because it and people say that a lot. You're right. Uh, you, you know, you're just you know, if you if you're a politician, you should have thick skin. Yeah. Toughen um, up. Toughen up. <clears throat> you should. You do need resilience as somebody that is in is an elected office but i don't think you should have resilience for things like um i mean obviously death threats or you know personal 
personal attacks from from people in the just general public. Mm-hmm. Um, you you need to have resilience to 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 continue to show concern and care for the people that that you represent. I mean that's it's the biggest part of the job, right? If uh, if people are writing you or sending you emails or sending messages and saying that they're unhappy with with this decision about childcare or healthcare <clears throat> healthcare or um, like income assistance, whatever the issue is, mm-hmm. you need to. You need to have the wherewithal to, to see, okay, there's obviously people in my constituency care about this issue. To I need to get to work on it. Uh, you know, that's that that's resilience in that in that respect. But I, I having a thick skin towards people that are just incessant. Person, yeah, personal, personal attacks and stuff. Yeah. I don't I don't think that that um, should be tolerated. And the and and I think I know for sure, Todd, that things like that for any party, uh, for any people of all political stripes, it that for sure is one of the major reasons why good people and 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 you know credible people don't run for politics. They don't run for elected office, right? Because they don't want to, you know, just as much, you know, at, just as there's a risk to to lose an election. They just don't want to go through the shit of having somebody spout off at them and call them, I mean, just the most horrible, vile things. Yeah. And, but never, but, and, but never be, be, be held to account for saying that. It's yeah, a very yeah. wild world, man. <laughs> I know. I don't even like, like reading articles on CBC or the leader post and then all the comments, you know made it's always like they people fly off the handle and they it's like did you even read the article like you basically just made comments just to bash someone and and i mean i you know i'm not gonna lie i've 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 probably stepped over the line a few times i don't know if i've ever done it on social media i mean i mean who amongst us hasn't you know most of us these days now have but I don't know if I have on social. Well, I mean, I have Trump on social media and stuff, but, but you know, I'm I'm a very big advocate for mental health, so I'm always criticizing whoever's in power. It just happens to be SAS party's been in power since I've started advocating. Um, but I really try not to criticize. I try to criticize more the party or the policies, uh, and less individual people. Not the people. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like even the what's his name Everett Hinley, uh, he's like. I, I like I don't know the situation. Maybe he's only given so much um, money to disperse, and you know, I mean, like I don't know what the situation is. I'm not going to blame him for specifically, but you know, yeah. be, Everett Hinley's, by the way, is the minister of uh, mental health and addictions in Saskatchewan now. But um, so yeah, I try not to attack him personally. I try to, you know, what I'm saying. I do, <laughs> Todd. One of the one of the things I th- I think that's uh, that- for for both Emil and I with with persist um, is for for us to point out that this is a and and I kind of alluded to it earlier is, is that this issue we uh, particularly with persist and with, with our podcast we don't we don't look at it through a partisan lens right so we uh, for on the podcast we have had we've had members from the NDP. We've had Liberal Party staffers and Liberal Party members of Parliament. We've had Conservatives, Conservative staffers. Uh, we're going to talk to city councillors that you know, for in most parts of Canada and in 
in this province that you know they don't technically have a, have a partisan affiliation. Right. And and that's it's important to us because and 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 really from my own perspective since I started working on persist, I do look at other other politicians differently. So the best example that I can come up with is you know currently. Mm-hmm. So for the last 18 months we've been a in this terrible pandemic and I I am really not a huge fan of most of what Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party does. Mm-hmm. But uh you know give or take some some things here and there. But I am, am very empathetic to the fact that for the last 18 months their lives have been a complete grind and I don't think it has been a very good time for anybody in that government, particularly the ministers of health, mm-hmm. uh, the prime minister, obviously, um, and, you know, anybody that has kind of been in the COVID pandemic, uh, you know, war cabinet. Um, right. And especially staff. There's there, There's been a lot of commentary about how the mental health of, of staffers on on Parliament Hill has been has been terrible during the pandemic. Um, yeah. So saying for for us and from my perspective, that's it's a it's one of the key pieces to this whole conversation about mental health and politics. And and I and I think you read this this column that that Murray Mandrick wrote a couple mm-hmm. of months back. I I spoke to him for it, and he wrote about the issue of mental health and politics. And what kind of it didn't surprise me, but it, like it maybe bo- it still bothered me a bit was <laughs> the response to it. At least people responding to Murray on Twitter was that people were still looking through it through a partisan lens, right? That's right. Yeah. And Murray, really, to his credit, he 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 tried tried to beat back those those critics where because people after he wrote the article and he posted it, people were saying, well. You know the SAS party government still needs to to make more investments in healthcare, and you know they they kept they were looking at it really through a partisan lens. And Murray said, "But this isn't. I I never wrote anywhere in here about that this is partisan, and mm-hmm. and and of course more mental health funding is needed. But don't you think that if if our if the elected representatives, the cabinet ministers that are making the decision to invest more in mental health, that they are able to f- speak more freely and share their own stories and just even talk amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that that is a good thing to improve mental health uh, yeah, exactly. in, in, here in our province? And um, so, I mean, that's that's kind of an ongoing challenge, I guess, but but I think it's important to, to point that out. Yeah, it's funny how in politics it's taboo to talk about it in a way. I mean... Qu- or, you know, it's a real career killer if they talk about it. So how, how can they get, how can they, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. How, how do they get behind uh, something like mental health when they themselves aren't even allowed to talk about it? Well, there, were, there, was, a, there was a poll, uh, a, f- a couple, you know, time, lose track of time these days. Um, <laughs> this is probably a couple months back now, but. Uh, there was a poll done by Abacus Data, I think. They polled people uh, and asked them, which which of these professions would you look, would you like, so they like they gave a bunch of different, um, you know, professions like firefighting teacher, 
doctor, lawyer, CEO, you mm-hmm. know, like probably 10 things like that. One of them was, was a politician. And they asked, how would you, how would you look at somebody in, in one of these positions if they shared their mental health story? And people said that for politicians, they were, they would have the, they would look at them the most uh, negatively. Right. If they, if they opened up and shared their mental health um, situation. Right. And I thought that was extremely discouraging. Yeah. And, um, bec- and, you know, I guess we can, we can, the people can, can have a debate about this, but it just, I think it just goes to show how, how little trust there is in that people have in politicians and, and in government. Um, because, you know, when you, particularly in the, in the last year during the pandemic, obviously teachers, there's been a lot of focus on them and in, in, in classrooms and, and the stress that they've been under. Yeah. Um, healthcare workers. Keep, yeah, exactly right. People in healthcare, doctors and nurses and everybody else. For sure, there's probably, and, and there has been lots of conversation about, about the mental health impact on, on people that, that work in those jobs. I don't know why it's looked so so differently and and so negatively at the at the people that that are that are trying to keep things together during the pandemic, and yeah. and again that's that's regardless of of party and a uh, and a political stripe. Yeah, there right. there is there is not there's not a uniform uh, political partisan affiliation for for governments in Canada. You go NDP conservative conservative conservative. Uh, well, I, I guess there's a stretch there of conservative governments, but, <laughs> you know, liberal, uh, you know, a bunch of liberal governments in the, in the Maritimes and then the federal and, and then everybody at the, at the local level. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting to me. Going back to your, the, the article you're talking about with, with Murray Mandrick, uh, that alone, I mean, like Murray is generally like if any, if anyone follows his, his, uh, stories, he's generally a left person like he it depends you, you know Todd, I, I would i would disagree with that uh, oh, I, okay I, i've interviewed murray for for my talking through a six podcast i've gotten to know him pretty good you know like decently murray mm-hmm. just he he is just very he is not critical he's just very suspicious of any any government of the day gotcha is okay. how i would describe that gotcha his, if you go back and you and you read his columns during during the last NDP government, yeah, uh, a lot of the same themes. So right. oh, okay, anybody that reads his columns now that that was around or or has gone back, you know, because as a, a as a former political staffer, just to you know, as a as a quick aside, as as a as political staffers, you do a lot of research and you go back. And you read newspaper clippings to see what what were what were people saying in the news about about the last government, mm. um, and then you use that and you and you compare, right? Ah, Murray, it's the same. He 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 wants governments to to be accountable. He doesn't like any bullshit. He likes people to be straightforward. So I no, I, I, I would not call him left, but he is certainly. Okay. He just seems left, right? <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, okay. Good. Well, that 
wrecks the point I was going to make, but because <laughs> I was going to say you, because you worked for uh, Brad Wall, so I thought it was a nice that you know this kind of or okay, even if he's not left, he's a critic of the party is able to or the party that's in power is able to speak to someone who um, who worked for someone on you know perhaps a, that party, I guess. So anyway, I, I thought it was nice anyway, and and that you're doing and that you're doing the uh, the podcast with someone you know, more center. So no, I, I think that's really awesome that you guys are, are, are very yeah, like, yeah. Like Emil Schaffel, he, he worked for the BC liberal party. Um, the, the liberals in BC are, are, you know, certainly more conservative than the federal liberals, mm-hmm. but compared to the Saskatchewan party, they, they would be definitely more center. Yeah. And Emil is, is pretty, yeah. You know, just, just like, Many of us these these days, uh, or or some of us, he's he has mixed mixed opinions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would and I would put myself into that group as well. I don't necessarily concur with everything that that the Conservative Party of Canada puts out there or the South Party, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm the same way. Like I'm generally left, but you know, I also hold them accountable when they're not doing a great job <laughs> or you know or you know certain policies you know i'm more center or right but whatever uh so i know i just really appreciate that you guys realize it's nonpartisan and that you really make an effort not to to make it that way i remember what i was going to say before yes uh you were talking about uh that poll and how people criticize politicians for having mental health issues but yet people are always you know they they don't trust politicians. They want them to be more like down to earth, real people. But it, when it seems like they do get down to earth, then they're harsh. You know, they're criticized harshly. Yeah, so like, yeah. It's it's. You're, that's exactly right, Todd. It, it is a very confusing. I don't know if dichotomy is the right word, but it, it it's certainly confusing and and disorienting. I would say. Yeah. Because. And, you know, I come back again to my, my, my comment about, you know, the people that make the budget decisions, the people that sit around the cabinet table, and, you know, this goes back to, to, what, uh, to what Mandrick said, don't we want those people to understand what's needed and isn't a way to, to do that by having them open up or at least, and not necessarily sharing publicly, right? It's one mm-hmm. of the, like, it's one of the things that we found with our podcast. There, there, there are going to be very, very few current, especially staffers, political staff. We are likely not going to be able to talk to too many current political staff on a podcast, which is a very public medium. Mm-hmm. But if people are in the at the you know, at the legislative building in Regina here or anywhere else around the country or on the Hill, if they're able to just talk amongst themselves about, and I've talked about this, I had my, the last boss that I had in the, in the, in the premier's office, I'm so grateful to him because I was able to, 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 to tell him about my mental health struggles. Hmm. Just that, you know, some days, Paul, I just, I just don't have the energy to come to work. It, you know, I wake up and just think, fuck, mm-hmm. I just going into a physical building today and sitting there is just, uh, is a nightmare for me. Right. And he went, 
okay, do do what you need to do to to feel better. Nice. And if there's more conversation, uh, even you know within the halls of government, that trickles down to to the politicians, to the cabinet ministers, to the premier, mm-hmm. and or you know or trickle up, trickle up, yeah. <laughs> and that and that is how progress is made. You know, there 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 have been some some tragic events. You know, like one of one of the MLAs, one of the, one of the SAS party MLAs. Derek Myers, his daughter died by suicide last year. Mm-hmm. Just days after the election, wasn't it? Or before the election. Before. And I I think it, it, it just, you know, it's one of those, it's such, it's so devastating, it, but it, it helps move the needle for people in the province. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you never want a situation like that. And you think... Well, why do why do we need a tragedy to to move things forward? But yeah. you know, but that's most of the time when you, when you look through, through through the course of history, that's where, where where progress is made on things. Is there's a big big event which is emotional for a lot of people, and that's the that's how change yeah. is made often. So yeah, unfortunately, I know you have to go real soon. Do you mind speaking real quick about women in politics and? you know, the mental health challenges they have. Sure. Yeah. I was, I was talking with, with a couple of people about it yesterday, actually. It's, it's, um, so when, when I said earlier about dealing with the shit, uh, with the social media, uh, you know, harassment on Twitter and Facebook and everything like that, women, I believe feel that more acutely than men do. So like mm-hmm. you talked about thick skin, I think it's just, um, uh, and I don't, I don't agree with it, but I think it's probably true. Women have less of a tolerance for, for wanting to wade into that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't blame them. Why, why would they want to? Um, it's, um, but it, the, that it's certainly something that it, it, it's a major factor into one of the reasons why why less women run in politics and i would say that it's it's that's probably more more the case for conservative leaning parties um and i mean i, I could get into that another time but mm-hmm. um but but across the board the pressures of politics you know i think i think the the family pressures and the household pressures that women feel like they feel uh, that's that's been been widely talked about. Just the mm-hmm. ongoing pressures of working in politics and and representing your constituents twenty four seven. Like I was, yeah, the, the the people I was talking to about with with yesterday, they said you can't really turn off when you are when you're a member of parliament or the MLA for Regina. Uh, Dudney. I don't even know if there's a Regina Dudney, <laughs> but. Um, you, you you are essentially always on. You need to be responding to your constituents' concerns and, and their issues. And if you're if you're a cabinet minister, that's even more pressure because you're essentially do, doing double duty mm-hmm. or, or, or more if you have a family. You have your cabinet portfolio, which is a lot of pressure to begin with. Then you're the MLA. And you need to deal with those issues that are not involved in your in your cabinet files, and then you have your quote unquote personal life, which that it's it's a very very tough 
thing to um to balance and it's um and it and it can be very tough on, on people's mental health so it's it's for sure a huge huge barrier to to getting more women running in politics um you know regardless of party yeah uh, i think i think there are starting to to be some positive changes being made like a couple of city councils uh like regina and, and saskatoon they both change their when they have meetings so city council meetings used to be like they they would start at 5 p.m and go until whenever they were done but sometimes it was like midnight 1 a.m yeah now now they start earlier in the day and they have a hard cap at i think i think for both it's like 7 p.m and and because they do saskatoon more so they have younger uh, they have younger people on those councils and they have young families. And, and I've seen them say that we have families that we need to get home to. And mm-hmm. this, this, you know, decision about, you know, something menial about sidewalk sign. replacements, yeah. stop signs or <laughs> yeah. speed limits. Uh, I think that this can wait until, until next meeting. And I, and I think that that's a very positive thing. Yeah. The other thing with women, especially staffers is, the, the whole sexual harassment end of it too in politics because it is yeah. a lot of men. I was just listening to your to your episode with uh, oh I can't think of her name now. Kristen all, Rayworth. Yes, her. And yeah, it was really interesting about t- getting into all that stuff. But yeah, yeah, she's um, in Alberta and, and uh, quite um, and and th- thankfully she's she's quite outspoken about about sexual harassment in in general. But yeah. She she did have an experience working in in politics where that happened to her in the office and and unfortunately Todd that is um uh, that that is a common thing for many women that particularly younger women that work in politics and it's not it's not always like like an act of you know somebody grabbed my ass or touched my breast or something like that it's more like think for many women or uh, for some women that work in politics it's more passive just like mm-hmm. hey toots hey sweetheart thank you very much dale for that interview uh i very much appreciate it and don't forget it's persist and you can find that in the saskatchewan podcast network or you can listen to his other podcasts as well talking 306 which is just conversation with people about Saskatchewan stuff, and it, it's it's also a really great podcast. Now, next week, I am speaking to a Bob Rennebaum, uh, and you might recognize that last name because it's my last name. Uh, it is my dad's cousin. He is a, well, I guess he's my cousin too. Uh, he's a social worker, and uh, I forget his full title. He he says it in the interview, but uh, we are talking about anger and uh, how it affects the mental health or or the causes of anger which quite often is mental health issues and how sometimes anger it comes up in men especially as opposed to sadness and things like that we talk about treatment for for anger issues and in all types of stuff so please check that out Uh, I also want to just thank everybody for listening. If you've been listening for one week or from the very beginning, thank you so much. Okay, I'm looking forward to releasing the next episode, which is in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
thank you for listening, and please subscribe, rate, and review however you are listening to this podcast. It only takes a moment, and it really helps the show out with getting noticed. This episode has been sponsored by Penny University Bookstore, 3104 13th Avenue. Call 639-571-2186 and check out their online bookstore at pennyu.ca. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is supported by Conexus. Wellness, however you define it, is achievable. You don't even need to figure it all out by yourself. Talk to Conexus. They'll give you guidance, motivation, and the push you need to reach your goals. They've got you. They're your financial partner and they know you can achieve your very best, your financial best. Prove them right. Start right at Conexus Credit Union. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is also sponsored by Direct West. Are you a business owner looking for new avenues to promote your business? Direct West digital billboards are a great opportunity to highlight a new product, new promotion, or anything else you'd like your customers to know about. You can get local expert marketing help for your business at directwest.com. If you are having a mental health crisis, please call the Canadian Crisis Number at 1-833-456-4566. In Saskatchewan, the mobile crisis team in Prince Albert is... 306-764-1011. In Regina, it's 306-525-5333. And in Saskatoon, it's 306-933-6200. Don't forget to check out my children's book, Sometimes Daddy Cries. Sometimes Daddy Cries is told through the eyes of a boy whose father suffers from depression. He sees his dad get sad, rest, even go to the hospital all while comparing his father's depression to a physical ailment available on amazon.ca i'll see you next time this is todd redebaum saying make your beds take your meds bye